listeners, welcome back to A Kenyan American Living in the United States. I'm an American American living in the United States. <laughs> I will be handling hosting duties tonight. Uh, this is Steve, Dr. Stephen Kogel, and I am going to be firing questions at my wife, Dr. Grace Kirsakoy. Hopefully you enjoy. Thanks. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It is free. There's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. All right. Welcome, everyone. Um, do you want to go ahead and do a quick intro? Yeah. Hi, listeners. This is Grace uh, or Dr. Grace Kisirkoi, like Steve introduced me. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I forget that's my title. <laughs> it's um, easy to forget. <laughs> no one actually calls us doctor or anything. Yeah, right? no. We guess we call each other doctor when we're being silly, but yeah. Yeah. Hey there, doctor. What's your opinion? <laughs> you're being sarcastic. Right. Can you tell me how you really feel? Right. We're definitely the doctors who don't help anybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so I'm handling hosting duties tonight. This is uh, Retribution. Uh, I get to fire questions uh, at Grace today, and uh, I'm going to preface this with be as anonymous as possible, no mentioning names. Ooh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. So let's talk a little bit uh, about conflict resolution um, <laughs> and kind of the, the cultural differences, because this is something that's kind of fascinating to me of, you know, within the United States, people kind of handle you know, conflict differently. Um, mm. Sometimes it's just within families handling things differently, but sometimes even, like, just locales handle things differently. I think in the Northeast, people don't ever yell, really. And in mm. the Midwest, we, like, you know, I've, I've broken out into fistfights with people before. So it there, there can be, you know, a lot of different ways that people handle conflict within the U.S., but I'm curious if you've noticed a, a stark contrast between how Kenyans handle conflict and how people from the United States handle conflict. So, um, from my experience, so I'd, I'd have to draw back from. So, okay, so this is me trying to differentiate between nature versus nurture, because I think also sometimes personality might play into that. But uh, so yeah, an overall theme as far as uh, conflict handling in uh, Kenya versus the U.S. goes. Yeah, let's start with like how how do you guys handle uh, conflict in Kenya, like generally, or is it? Is it very tribe specific? Uh, oh, interesting. So I think it's it's hierarchical based on age. Age. Oh, wow. Yeah, as far as I can, it's an, often it's also based on um like if it's a teacher like so the hierarchy between um who's the leader and who's the follower like if you're supposed to be like if it's a teacher versus a student or a parent versus a child. Um, generally, I think the implication is that the person in authority should not really be challenged. And so if there's conflict, it's just like you're skirting around it so much. Like if you disagree, um, my first experience where I was able to like freely 
question an adult, which I loved, was my German class. <laughs> and uh, I loved my German teacher because he told us we could say anything to him as long as we spoke in fluent German and we would not get in trouble. And so that really just like encouraged me. <laughs> I feel like in German, you know, you can really let loose. I'm like, you know, German already sounds kind of kind of angry language. Exactly. So. so I ended up being the best German speaker in like that region just because I was like, really, I can do that. I won't get in trouble. I won't have to watch the flyover. So I was in this girls only school, as I have alluded to. It's a high school. It's a boarding school. Mm-hmm. And the worst punishment for especially talking back or being rude was you watch this huge flyover. It's a footbridge of a, a highway. Uh-huh. And often you could wash it by yourself. You had to wash a bridge. Yeah. And sometimes it could be like, the whole day and then you're trying to wash as people like if people are walking over it to go to lunch uh-huh. it gets dirty again and then you, they somebody like the prefect who's like the uh i don't know if you guys have prefects this is like a student who's like the boss of everyone and so that sounds like <laughs> pretty annoying you didn't have that post did you were you that person well no i no my personal I couldn't. They are supposed to be like the goody two shoes, and yeah, they're just imagine. like very, like you know, they are, some of them are really nice, like they are just generally like popular. Some of them, but for the most part, they're just like the ones who like uh, go tell on you to the teachers, and so the teachers will choose them. Um, to so, be like the, are they like a um? A class president, or are they more akin to a hall monitor? Someone who it's monitors. a lot like a monitor. So like okay. they write names of the people who are making noise in class and give it to the teacher. They're just kind of annoying. So they're just tattletales. Yes, okay. they're, they're just tattletales. But they're like the teacher's favorite people. Uh, well, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I would imagine so. But uh, yeah, yeah, little informants. Okay. But some of them, are, like I remember, I really liked my class prefect. Um, so I'm supposed to be anonymous, so I won't say her name. I loved her. Um, <laughs> you already mentioned your German teacher. That probably, <laughs> but uh, whoops. I think it'd be okay. There. <laughs> I mean, I, I loved my German teacher. Uh, okay. So I'm only yeah. I'm not gonna give. I think that's a a really cool uh, teaching tactic that you guys got an outlet uh, from mm-hmm. that power differential. Uh, but the only way I could get there was by doing your schoolwork. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I think it's a really great incentive system there that uh, he gave you guys something that you really wanted. But you had to do the work first, so yes. it's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, that class. I just I used to live for that class. I loved it. Yeah. So really, there was just that power differential, and you just never, never really tested the hierarchy. So yeah, it always kind of felt, especially even like with prefects. So there are people who generally were like in that hierarchy that they were not to be questioned. Uh-huh. Um, as far as I grew, when I, whenever I grew up, and so it usually felt like kids lived in a different world and then those yeah. people in different hierarchy just lived in the different worlds and you didn't even bother to try and get them to understand anything just because you're not supposed to really challenge them. Now, you, that you've been living in the United States and you've kind of seen that we don't really... We, we probably have the lowest power differential. I think is there was like some study that showed this, that we have like the lowest power differential or lowest uh, association or view of power differential. So having seen this and kind of experienced it, uh, staying in Kenya right now, um, 
Is there anything that you wish you would have said with kind of a fresh perspective, like thinking back through um, your experiences with, you know, this hierarchy in place? And uh, it doesn't have to be, you know, to name names or even say your relationship <laughs> with the person. Uh, but, you know, do you kind of, are there some times where you wish you would have pushed back? Um, yes, for sure. So, um Okay, that's hard to be completely anonymous and sort of populate this with real thoughts, uh, this question <laughs> with real thoughts. But uh, I'm going to say in terms of, for example, in a professional environment, um, I think I could have advocated for myself in a lot of situations. For example, uh, in a situation where you're given extra work uh, or required to come in and work over like overtime, and uh, it's it's hard to question. Or even if your pay like paycheck is late, and then you just like you feel like you just have to like tiptoe all over like this issue of hey why don't I have my paycheck like instead of just like being as in generally the other person is the one who should be sorry and you feel like you should be sorry for asking mm-hmm. yeah uh, yeah I, sometimes i think back i'm like gosh that annoys me so right now they relate with your paycheck um uh, i i don't want to i mean yes in some case like it happened a couple of times where wow, yeah. somebody uh was late with my paycheck and really? i just didn't like I really sort of, and, and you come to the United States, and people get mad if people are late with their coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, wow. Okay. Yeah. 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 I mean, in retrospect, so I did understand. Um, so a situation like that happened in the U.S. and I handled it differently. I don't know if you remember. Um, it's not like this was a little slightly different. Um. And it's easy for me to slide into like the comfort of conflict avoidance based on that. Like I'm like stewing inside, but at the same time, I'm like, I am conflict averse. I don't want to draw attention and cause sort of strife, you know, I'm really trying to keep the peace. But mm-hmm. at the same time, I'm feeling very sort of, uh, what's the word? It's It's not even wronged. It's just... It, it just doesn't feel fair at all and I feel justified like I should say something but um I'm not in like I just don't feel free to say it uh but in the U.S. I remember uh something like similar to that happened and I was conflicted but eventually I was able to uh handle it differently but uh before I go into that anecdote I don't know if I answered your other question what was your question I completely forgot your question which one Okay, you forgot your question, so I'm going to continue <laughs> with my anecdote. Oh, no, my, uh, what was my question? Oh, my question was, there are other things you would have handled differently um, in in Kenya after being in the United States? And that, that's kind of a follow-up question, too, is do you, do you feel like you've changed at all in, like, how you handle conflict since you've been here? Uh, I think I've changed, but I think part of that is also not just being here but it's also being a mom um because like when you're still sleep deprived you (laughs) you have you like adulting you actually have to pay the bills um you're not gonna stomach somebody's being late with your paycheck or even taking your time for granted Uh, you know what i mean so it's you're not gonna just like tiptoe around some issues when you're like I, i think in my current life stage i'm older i just realize uh, especially in situations where I realize why am I caring more than the other person? So in that state where somebody's 
has isn't paying you the dues you're supposed to and you're the one caring about their feelings they don't care about your feelings mm. so i think ever since becoming a mom i'm realizing that it should go both ways and i shouldn't be the one to just be like concerned about this so much <laughs> right and i would imagine that um in and I don't imagine, I actually know for a fact. I'm asking these questions as if I don't know you. Of course, I know these stories. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, in dealing with people, because, uh, you know, I I moved, uh, I think, from Indiana um, when I was younger. Then I came back for a brief stint, but then moved away again. And so I, I, don't, I didn't really see a lot of people that I grew up with. And so, you know, after being away for so long and coming back, you know, it's really hard to relate to them. Um just because you know you you've changed, they've changed. Um, but I would imagine that it's probably exasperated, exasperated, exasperated. Anyways, uh, <laughs> exacerbated is the word I'm looking for. Um, when you go to such a very different culture, uh, and you're there, and you've gone through like a major life experience of having a child in you know the United States or a different culture, mm-hmm. and then you go back to try to interact with people from the same culture, mm-hmm. um, and particularly as it pertains to uh, how you handle conflict, I would imagine that you know, do they? Are they like, oh my gosh, you're so aggressive? Do they, do they find you more aggressive? Would be the term, the long yeah. r- rambling question there. But oh, interesting. Um, actually, no, because maybe as you can tell, uh, often I think people project good qualities on me, hmm. which I'm good. I think <laughs> it's not like they're just projecting. Sure, no comment. But uh, <laughs> also, um, I've learned that you don't have to come off as aggressive you just so i've read like crucial confrontations i've read certain books because it was something i needed i realized i needed to work on myself Mm -hmm. um and so um i try not to be aggressive if i can help it because i try to as much as possible um figure out what issues i can handle and uh, how i can highlight so i think the seven habits of highly effective people they talk about Mm -hmm, win-win and so you're able to highlight so understand like listen without having an answer to begin with so that whenever you're pressing your issue to someone else they feel like they're hard and that you're both sort of you're both equal people on the table i don't i don't even remember uh, that's the rule um understand before trying to be understood yes i don't know i'm not yeah i forgot that's great. Yeah, you quoted it as it is. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like being long-winded about explaining it. <laughs> no, no, I, you under, you remembered the, the, the take-home from it, the, the important essence of it. So, yeah, no, that's a, a yeah, great book. Um, yeah, so there was an anecdote you were wanting to tell? Yeah, so an anecdote. <laughs> so after actually after reading all those, because it was something, it like you know, um, like, Steve and I, when we first met, I really was conflict avoidant and uh, just, I think, but uh, I've worked, I've worked hard on myself um, and become a lot more expressive about issues like this. Uh, and so an anecdote that I was going to tell to showcase me handling something different against my natural tendencies um, was, I don't know if you remember, uh, I don't, I, I'm not going to be that specific, but there's a lady who I met through mutual connections, professional connections, 
and uh, she wanted me to help her kid who was uh, homeschooling for uh, like a science course, um, which is something I do on the side. Uh, sometimes it's really fun to keep. So by um, by tutoring some of these courses, it's really a fun way for us to maintain our basic knowledge of the peripheral. So like where you know the stuff that you learned in school earlier on if uh, with a phd you get really deep into stuff but with uh, tutoring we are able to maintain like an overall bird's eye view um, and remember the basics so we love to do that uh, steve does bioinformatics um i tutor um like different science topics within my domain and so this woman uh, this uh lady wanted me to help her uh, her son um and i uh, so she petitioned me really well and said that uh since i had already developed lots of material and so her family is a single income earning family and so, so she told me she would pay me just like a flat fee it was hardly anything like it, sorry i don't mean to diminish what she paid but it's really compared to the amount of work i was going to put in uh, it really wasn't going to be much, but I was going to put together an entire syllabus after researching that state's requirements for the, his, her son's grade. And then she also had very specific requirements about her son's, uh, so like these learning styles. If you're a teacher, you probably understand like different learning styles, but I had to customize this study plan to her son's like specific study style. So like his visual and then he likes to have things very visually explained to him and also tactile he likes to be able to actually experience things so i had to put together a lot uh, a lot of work into it and um she said she could only afford 80 dollars and uh at that point i just felt like okay i i, I had just gotten my son i had just um my son was probably like three months. Oh no! When we first talked about this, uh, I was like eight months pregnant. Um, and I was actually venturing into, uh, a content creation sort of like my own ventures into content creation. And so I wanted to practice some of the stuff, uh, the the stuff I was going to do for her son. Um, and so I thought that we would all gain. Um, even though it would cost me a lot of time and we were living in a very expensive place. So at the same time, I was realizing that uh, I was aware that I was giving her my time. And it felt like I, when we were first talking about it, it felt like she recognized that. And so I put together a plan. It was a lot of work. I, um, I still have it. So it's been actually helpful ongoing. But um. I realized when I first sent her this full plan, she kept asking for more and more. I don't know if you remember. Um, so Steve was there and she would ask, like, she'd be like, oh, yeah, we need, like, experiments on this. Like, what, how are we going to work on? Like, she wanted more and more and more, even though I felt like I had given her, like, a skeletal, like, just like a good skeleton and with a vision of everything she can do. Um, understanding that, um, to be understanding that truly, um, since she wasn't able to pay me like the full cost, like, honestly, I think it was going to be like $5,000 worth of the time I put in. Um, and so 
I just started feeling like over time I just started feeling very stressed about like my interactions with her like she wanted more and more and I realized she's starting to like in the language she would use she was acting like a difficult client and I realized wow she's forgotten that I'm actually helping out and she's really not paying me (laughs) for all this and I just started becoming a bit agitated and my natural tendency was to just say like send a really quick message and say hi i'm not going to be able to do any more of this and just kind of like ghost her (laughs) sadly which i'm very embarrassed to say but it was like my natural my first instinct because i didn't want to like confront her i just felt really uncomfortable confronting her about it right and then i just went back and thought and and like i think i empathized with her situation and I, I said, if it were, if I were in that position, I would want somebody to communicate that um, the way I was behaving was really like, like to communicate how they were feeling about right. it. Mm-hmm. And so I, I decided like it was really hard for me because sometimes even in like when I really value a relationship in, in the past and I even get to a point where I can confront someone. I find that I do not even give my full talking points. Like I'll probably say like a very small aspect of what's bothering me. Right. And then like the other person feels like, oh, okay, then it's all resolved. Like we're back to normal. And then I really do not feel like it's resolved. Right. And that affects the relationship in the long term. So I decided I would write down all my talking points before I talk to her Mm -hmm. based on like a lot of experts who are very good at handling those. And then, I even practiced like expressing myself in a very factual way, no emotions, just like, and then also in a way that doesn't say, you know, there's certain things that are unfair to say, like you always do this, like you just, just stating the facts, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I was really surprised. We ended up having a strong relationship after that. Oh, good. Um, yeah. she was, she, she completely understood and she apologized. She was like, Oh my gosh, I didn't realize I was coming off like that. Right. Uh, Apparently to her, that is just like she thought she was being passionate about this and she was like getting right. carried away. And yeah. for me, I was feeling like I'm pregnant. I'm like almost nine months pregnant. I'm giving you the time I need to rest. Yeah. And like she's, I don't know, I was completely, I was feeling like she was really taking my time for granted and starting to get irritated about right. that. And she wasn't even like, it was more of a, like a pro bono thing for me. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I think that's great because um, when you don't make your, your feelings known, when you kind of avoid the conflict, mm-hmm. uh, you don't you don't come to the realization that nine times out of ten people aren't doing things out of malice. They're just doing things because they just don't, they're not thinking about it. You know, they're not, they just don't realize that this is bothering you sometimes. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. And this is it's kind of an interesting point, too, that, uh, you know, we work in academia and there are a lot of international students Mm-hmm. And I would imagine for some of them, it's it's kind of hard to find that balance between a a healthy level of entitlement and uh, you know what they should their expectations should be because we we've seen some students be exploited um, just mm-hmm. because of their their cultural differences where they are you know there's that that very strong power differential and so they would get treated very unfairly yeah um, and you know even within like a you know certain labs. Um, you know, some of the American students would be treated differently than the mm. the other students, the international students. Oh, yeah, would. they'd be working, like, Saturdays and Sundays. <laughs> right, and, you know, the American students would just say they, they're not going to do that. They're not going to show up, yeah. yeah. 
and um and yeah so did you find that hard like trying to find that balance between you know because <laughs> i'm sure you've seen people who are just well that that's too entitled you know <laughs> saying you don't want to come in and work on saturday is one thing but saying you know you don't want to wake up before uh, 11 a.m. Oh, 11 a.m. Okay. on a yeah. Friday. Uh, <laughs> like, no, on Friday I sleep in. On Friday I sleep in. <laughs> a, a real legitimate uh, student made that claim that they didn't want to get up before 11 a.m. on Fridays. <laughs> they said they that's a little to sleep too entitled. <laughs> that's, that's a little too much there. Yeah, it's not like, I, I, you know, I want the same pay that other students get or that other person's getting. No, I just want to sleep in on Fridays. It's, it's too far. That's an unhealthy entitlement. Um, but yeah, was that was that difficult for you to find that balance? I think I just kind of, yeah, that's a great point. So when I, my first year, yes, it was hard, especially because of how infantilizing it can be when you're first new to a country, you don't know what's normal and you're still learning the ropes. But then you realize, yeah, some things are actually, you know, they're not sitting well with you. Like mm -hmm. I would like realize that I'm really not okay with some things. And then over time I started realizing that, uh, like you said, like not, it was different. Like not everybody was like being given certain tasks. Mm. Um, for example, like the regular, like random grading stuff you, you can be given for like, I don't know if you ever had to do like extra proctoring. Um, yeah, yeah, I did. Um, which is okay if you're doing that. Um, yeah. but there's like a lot extra you can end up with like a, like beyond just that there's a lot more extra and you realize not everybody is being given that so i started mm. realizing like i i would just and i'm i would be very polite and say something like i'm so sorry but i just have I, unreal this is unrealistic i really cannot handle this workload um right. be polite and just say that i'm not available and i mean i'll just do what i felt was necessary if it was if they say this is a one hour task i'd be like after one hour i this is what i've done and that's it like the rest i really cannot do right yeah i would literally take like i even started researching um like time tracking apps just because Already, you've got a lot going on. Mm. Uh, you've got your research. You've got like in the early parts. You've got your classes. You've got like you've got lots going on. <laughs> right. So and you gotta be able to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a, a quick message to anybody who's doing a PhD right now, uh, I would say fifty percent of the stuff that you're doing, you probably don't really have to do. Uh, and it's really hard for them to kick you out of a program. <laughs> uh, write a paper first, uh, get a, a publication out, and then uh, you're, you're pretty much so set, pass your comps, and you're set. They're not going to kick you out. Uh, so if they're saying, oh, you need to meet this person or take this person to lunch or proctor this exam or do this and this and this and this and this, uh, you probably don't have to do all that, um, I would say. You know, I think... Teaching and research is all you are really required to do. And I think there was a lot of extra stuff that they tried to put on people, like uh, you know, yeah. student government, which was weird. Um, uh, yeah, a lot of different things. And even these like networking events, I would say, were probably yeah. just not necessary. You know, and, Yeah, unless it's something you're really interested in. Like, don't feel pressured to do something out of your way that's just stretching you thin and yeah. you're like not sleeping. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like 90% of that was just fluff. I mean, I, I think yeah. you could get through a PhD program if they took out all the 
extra junk and probably, you know, a year or two years or something like that. <laughs> it's my, my honest opinion. Uh, that might yeah. get me in trouble. But, 100%. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great. Well, how are you doing? Let's see here. I don't know if I answered your questions clearly. It did. Uh, yeah, we are moving along, yeah. Great. Okay, um, let's see. Do I have a, uh, a final question? Hmm, let's see here. So we, we've kind of handled uh, conflict resolution. Do you have a question for me uh, regarding this topic? Yeah, I'm curious about the American way to do conflict resolution. How do you guys um, learn this? Is it something you guys study? Um, and also, sometimes I think uh, what I've seen is uh, American generally, uh, people are very open with saying their opinions, oh, whether yes. or not. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so, they are. Yes. So I think maybe that addresses sort of like certain conflicts don't have to be dealt with because somebody already knows how you feel about it mm -hmm. you know openly or you can leave a review like it's a very sort of you're going to have you're going to have an outlet no matter what right, right. yes yes <laughs> uh, yeah there's uh, a lot of opinions floating around and uh conflict resolution in the u.s um you know, it just, it's all over the map. Um, some people are really great with conflict resolution. Some people are just, you know, I know people who will just go right to, you know, I'm right, you're wrong, and if you don't believe me, we're going to, like, come to blows. Uh, some people will stand their ground so stubbornly um, and voice their opinions. And, uh, yeah, so it's something that is actually, I would say, is one of the, the the things in the country that is kind of a strength and a weakness at the same time. I think that uh, there's a determination that sometimes can lead to stubbornness, um, mm. and that uh, right now we're having like this, you know, this polar separation in, um, you know, along like the <laughs> basically political lines, and it's it's interesting that those two sides are just having such a difficult time. Um, resolving any type of conflict like there's no agreement whatsoever I mean even on just the basic things of basic tenets of reality seem to be you know shifted between the two groups um, and you know I'm not going to say which side of the group I'm on but <laughs> I'm sure it's probably pretty obvious but um, yeah so it, it's interesting um, I think for me personally um you know, I, I, I've gotten, I try to get better and better and better with conflict resolution. And one of the reasons I, I really, cause I, I used to be really terrible with it. It's uh, really just, you know, forthright and hard headed. And, you know, my opinion was always right. Um, as you know, having a kid and realizing, you know, really they see things, you know, they're not going to be able to contextualize what's going on. And so all they're going to see is conflict and then you realize how silly that conflict is um, mm. when it's having such a, a bad effect on your, you know, on your kid. Then you you try to minimize that as much as possible, and you know, try to find a, a common ground. Um, yeah, you know, mm. because like I said, when you kind of look at it objectively how they look at it, uh, you you realize you know how silly it is and how counterproductive it is. So. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I like that. Um, it seems like I think you've also read some of those books. Uh, I think we've yeah. both been on a journey to self improve, and uh, yeah, I think we are still on a journey to self improve. Yeah, speaking of books, let's go ahead and plug a potential book that we're working on. Uh, yes, <laughs> do you want to plug it or should I plug it? Um, or we're just doing a coming attractions is what we're doing here. Big things coming. You know, those people who are always like saying exciting things coming. <laughs> get, <laughs> get excited right now. Yes, yes. Uh, would you like to have the honors there? Um, I'll uh, let you do it. I think you're... I'll do the drum rolls. You're going to do the drum rolls? Okay, <laughs> since... Uh, is that a drum roll? I think that's a cowbell. I'm not sure what that is. <laughs> um, yeah, so... We are working on a fictionalized account of our uh, time in uh, Kenya during our wedding ceremony. Um, so it's uh, we have a rough draft, a very long-winded rough draft. Eighty thousand words. An eighty thousand word. Uh, it's really fun. Rough draft uh, that uh, people who were there read, and some liked, some did not. Uh, but yes, the uh, <laughs> again, I want to stress this is a fictional account uh, yes. ba- based on our experiences. But uh, you know, we're obviously going to embellish and change things up a bit. Um, so yeah, uh, Grace is working on the second draft of the book, and yes. uh, we are shooting for when are we shooting for? Uh for for you mean like publishing? Uh yes. I feel like early next year because that would be an exciting. I like doing things like so. My sh- uh, best case scenario would be like January. January twenty twenty one. So you heard it right here, January twenty twenty one. Best case scenario. <laughs> best case scenario. Send letters and pigeons and everything to Grace to tell her to finish up her draft. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Okay. Well, this has been my my brief time as a host. Uh, yeah, you know, not just the co-host. I'm the the host host this time. <laughs> Hostile takeover. Hostile takeover. Conflict right. resolution. <laughs> right, um, and I think we'll get back to the normal format uh, next time. All so, right. Great. Yeah, thank you for hosting. That was fun. Um, interesting topic. <laughs> we didn't shy away from a difficult topic. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Um, no, we'll get into that another time. So. All right. <laughs>